So, how are we gonna do it? Do what? Find the perfect things or whatever. We need a methodology, right? Like a, like a system? Well, we want to be rigorous about it, so maybe like take a survey map of the town and like lay a grid over it and split it up into squares. Each square is a 24-hour log, and then you could or take half. Or we could just walk around looking for cool stuff. Like partners? Like allies. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm still Colin. <laughs> this is James's stupid idea. <laughs> Why do you guys keep repeating yourself? Gimmick. Am I the only person awake in this loop? <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Yeah, the rest of us are zombies. Uh, so we're, we're back to um, kind of one of our typical format things. If you go back and check out, you know, our first 99 episodes or so, most of them are just, you know, book and movie, not several books and several movies kind of things. And um, so occasionally we're going to do just regular episodes when it's something short. And in this case, it is something short. It is a short story by Lev Grossman called The Map of Tiny Perfect Things, which was adapted into a movie of the same name that showed up on Amazon Prime around Valentine's Day in 2021. Yep. And it happens to be a time loop movie. So that's why James's stupid idea. <laughs> uh, so spoilers. Sorry if you, if you didn't already know that. So in addition to just being a regular episode, this is probably the last episode that we're going to do where we're not recording in person. Because for us, the <clears throat> pandemic uh, restrictions are, are going to be lifted on account of we are all vaccinated. And by the time we record next, everyone will be at full immunity. So yay. Yep. So that would be fun to do uh, co-watches of movies, uh, cow-watches as we call them, cow and uh, record over at James's house. We just we have not been to James's house in a year. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So as I mentioned, this is a time loop movie, and this has become kind of a subgenre of science fiction slash fantasy. But I wanted to talk about it, and I had presented this to you guys the other day, or I guess it was last week. And is a time loop story science fiction? Discuss. Yes. Colin? Okay, James says yes. Colin? Uh, I'm going to say no. Oh. Okay. So why do you say no? I think it violates the laws of physics. As we know them. Okay. I, I mean, is Star Trek science fiction? <laughs> In times and places. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's selectively science fiction? <laughs> there are times it's science fiction. There are times it's it's fantasy when it's talking about things that simply cannot be due to, that we know cannot be due to science right now. Well, that's that's the point, though, isn't it? Right. It's according to our current understanding right. of science, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't I guess doesn't I sufficiently say, advanced uh, science appear as magic and therefore fantasy, right? <laughs> and therefore fantasy technology. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sufficiently advanced science fiction is indistinguishable from fantasy. Is that what you're saying? There you go. <laughs> yeah, I guess what I would say is it depends on the kind of time loop, right? There are some time loops in movies that are shown in the movie to be technological, right? So that, that mm-hmm. to me, puts it into the science fiction category, where there's other ones where it's either not explained or it's explained in using some kind of magic. So that would be more in the fantasy side. So like Groundhog Day, right? There's There's no discussion of how did this happen. There's some discussion of why it happened, right? But it's more of a fantasy kind of thing. Whereas Edge of Tomorrow, the idea is that these aliens have some kind of ability to uh, control time. Right. Always aliens with you. Yeah, always. (laughs) Um, But uh, then like uh, the Happy Death Day movies, they they have, um, the first one doesn't really go into it. The second one shows you that it's science fiction, which is kind of interesting. So, you know, you know, the, the fact that this is kind of a sh- subgenre is interesting because you had, there's so many movies you can name, right? Groundhog Day, Edge of Tomorrow, Source Code, Palm Springs, the Happy Death Day movies, this one, the boss level one that I was mentioning to you, James, right. the Frank Grillo action movie, um, Russian Doll on Netflix. Um, it's just kind of become its own thing. And when I was looking at a list of time loop movies, I discovered one that predates Groundhog Day called 12.01 p.m., a uh, short story by Richard Lupoff and it has been adapted into a short film. And so I'm doing, I'm trying to find if we can get hold of that uh, movie licitly because it d- doesn't seem to be available anywhere to actually purchase. Um, and I've actually put out a feeler to the director of that to see if we can get him on to talk about it. Um, it's always fun. We get, to, when we get to, I still think that's totally cool. Yeah. When we get to add something to the list, it's, it's always cool. I'm like, well, we missed that because 
<laughs> it's a, a short film based on a short uh, short story. Uh, that would be cool if it pans out. We can actually talk to that guy, or you know, get yeah. get the movie or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's also interesting to do a, a time loop movie and to even watch one during in the last year when all of our lives felt a little time loopy, right? Where right. we're not going about our normal routines. It seems like we're doing the same thing every day. And we have time to kill because we're not wasting time driving to work. Time has lost all meaning. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Well, like the uh, the recent uh, XKCD, right? Where it's March 2020 for for a full calendar year, and then finally May <laughs> after he gets vaccinated. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, uh, what did we think of the story? And actually, you know, how did we come up with this, Colin? I saw an announcement in some of my copious and continuous online research. That there was going to be a movie on Amazon Prime adapted from a short story by Lev Grossman. Oh, nice. Cool. I always want to say Les Grossman, who's the Tom Cruise <laughs> character from uh, Tropic Thunder. <laughs> yes. <Right. laughs> very, very different yeah. guy. No, you probably know, if uh, if you're one of our listeners and you're into science fiction and fantasy, you probably know Lev Grossman as the person who wrote the Magicians trilogy uh, right. with its accompanying adaptation, I think, on the Sci-Fi channel. Yeah, I think it at least started there. Interestingly, so it just kind of freeform talk about whatever we want to here. I um I found about I found out about this movie because my wife watched it. <laughs> and so oh. then, <laughs> then Colin brought it up as as something to do. I'm like, wait a second. Elaine just watched that movie. <laughs> so she watched it while I was doing something else, probably podcasting. Finally um, something that but, she would uh, watch with you that we're gonna podcast about. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I'm like, hey, you mind uh watching that movie again? So so I actually watched the movie prior to reading the story. That's, okay. that's not unusual for you. It's not unusual. Yeah. Right. right. So are we actually going to get an E rating and an M rating for this? Ooh. For the movie, sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, Emily read and watched both. Or, yeah. Consumed both uh, forms of content. Yeah. Long-time listeners to this podcast know that that uh, my wife is a bit of a muggle. You know, not, not, <laughs> not really into science fiction or fantasy. Um, it's a very specific science fiction that uh, slips past the, the guardians at the gate. <laughs> so, and it turns out, you know, well, also like if we sit down in front of the TV, I don't know what's like for you guys. If if I sit down in front of the streaming services, you know, mm-hmm. and we have access to a number of them, well, I have to check all of them before I settle on something. And, right. uh, and so sometimes that process lasts until it's time to go to bed, um, <laughs> <laughs> trying to find something where, where Elaine will pretty much lots of times just be like, Oh, that looks good. I'll watch that. So, which is funny because given our personalities, you think you'd think it would be different because she's much more the planner, um, right? Than I am, and I'm more the the go with the flow kind of person. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess not with my uh, online view. Not with your right. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's it's it's kind of like the there's too many things to watch, so I can't just I can't just watch anything. Right. I have to I have to very carefully choose what to watch, otherwise I'm wasting my time. Right. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel too. I'm like I spend yeah. a lot of time like. What's here? What's what do I want to watch? What's what's available? Let's see. Yeah, <laughs> and then of course it's like you know millions of things. Like, uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this actually, this discussion has a little bit of a tie-in in the uh, both the story and the movie. I like. Uh, okay, right. So what did what did we think of the story, uh, James? Do you want to start with Emily? Sure. Um, I think Emily Emily really liked the story. Uh, she blamed Colin for making her cry, even though the story felt like a warm <laughs> Colin hug. but she liked it um yeah i mean that that was the basic thing she's like she was thanking colin but then like dang it colin (laughs) because it was nice but like still made her cry (laughs) in a good way (laughs) you know every now and then we have to we have to let colin pick something that's that's you know warm and makes you you cry kind of happy tears so right exactly (laughs) it's good for you Yep. Take yeah. your medicine. So yeah, she liked she liked the story. She thought it was a good read. Uh if quick read. I think yeah, I think it took her like an afternoon. And then obviously it mm. took me longer than that because I'm a slow reader. But you know. It didn't require that much whiskey to read this. So how many ounces? Yeah, let's go with two ounces. <laughs> and you enjoyed the story? I did. It made me want to watch the edge of tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Colin? I, I loved the story. It, I thought it was totally cool. I, I identified with Mark. Uh, I love that there was a character that uh, loved science fiction and was geeky and, you know, was like, would compare what he was going through, going through this time loop to 
uh, pretty much every science fiction series has a time loop episode or two. And it's like edge of tomorrow. And uh, Mm -hmm. in order to fill his time, he's going to read every book in the science fiction section of the library, which is something I would do. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That was pretty funny. I I like that part. (laughs) What did you think of his, his statement that, that he hadn't even gotten through Douglas Adams yet and still had to get through Lloyd Alexander. And there was a great (laughs) desert of Asimov. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's a well-stocked library right there. Yeah. Yeah, I I enjoyed this story as well. It's good stuff. And one of the cool things, I mean, we have a luxury with this one because if only for everything that we covered, there was the story and then almost equal time from the author spent on talking about the process of adapting it. Right. And that's extremely cool. Yeah. Well, and also how the story came about in the first place. Right. Yeah. Well, do you want to recapitulate any of that, or do we just direct people to to buy the story and find that for themselves? Uh, he never meant to write this story. It was an accident. Right. So if you want to learn more about the accident, you should buy the 2021 standalone ebook version of this. Uh, read the short story. Love it. Uh, think about reading it again, except you won't have time to waste on a time loop to do it. So spend your time judiciously. And then mm. read read the end part of it and just you know enjoy the heck out of learning about it. Well, yeah, because in the ebook version that I have, it says it's like 62 pages, but it's right. only like, yeah. you know, 35 of that is story. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think on the note, it was like 60, 40, like 60%, 40%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Very cool. So we'll mix in some of the tidbits from that um, or talk about it as we talk about the adaptation. Um, yep. I do think it's really well written story. Um, I like I, the fact that Mark is kind of, I mean, this is, this is all in Mark's head, right? And, and he's talking about how, you know, he, he was always killing time and it says only now when I killed time, it didn't stay dead. It rose from the grave and lived again. I was on zombie time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He didn't cut time's head off. True. I guess that's, or you can kill it with dragon glass. Right. <laughs> Depending on the, the zombie, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Context matters. It does. Which kind of goes back to our time loop conversation. Context matters. Yep. Sometimes it it's science fiction, sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. As Colin Or say. sometimes it's never science fiction. <laughs> right. And uh, until such time as we discover how a time loop could be done scientifically. Right. Yep. I thought uh, on that time loop question, I thought you were going to ask whether or not this was really science fiction. I think that was kind of the premise of the uh, question, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, whether time travel is science fiction or if the, the story is science fiction? No, no, time loop, not time travel. Right. Or is there a difference between time loop and time travel? There's, oh, definitely. There's connective tissue, certainly. So. <laughs> yeah. So, Colin, I will recommend to you to pick up How to Build a Time Machine by Paul Davies. It's a book that I read a while back, and it talks about all the all the, uh, the kind of theoretical underpinnings to, if you were going to build a time machine, here's how you could do it. Um, and, you know, at one point, it's like you could almost wor- open a wormhole between two different points in space-time. Problem with that is there's a singularity at the middle, and so you get sp- spaghettified if you go through it. Um, and so then then you have to use negative energy to open up the wormhole. And, of course, negative energy is also theoretical. Yes. So having since it doesn't exist, it must be magic. Mm, not necessarily. I'm, no, it exists. It's just sufficiently advanced. Right. It's, it's theoretical. I mean, neutrinos <laughs> were theoretical for a long time. Right. And, and the, the, I can't remember who it was. Rutherford? Was it Rutherford who first uh, theorized them? I can't remember who it was, um, and said, this will always be theor- theoretical. We'll never be able to observe them. Um, and then, of course, we were able to to observe them. And so now we know that the theory was correct, but it didn't make it not science. That's right. Just because something's theoretical doesn't mean it's not science. Y- yes and oh. no. <laughs> I mean, it's it's subject to the scientific method, right? It can, it can still be disproved or it can be uh, supported. Yes. Which is, you know. Like there, there, there's lots of theories out there that have not yet been disproven and we're still using them like general relativity. Anywho, let's talk about the story. It, it probably makes sense to do sort of a plot walkthrough of, of this, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And some of it we've kind of already done, but we haven't done the other half of the story. Yeah. Well, why don't, why don't you take that one, Colin? Okay. I'll, I'll try and be brief. If you hear me guys rambling too much, say something. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the, our character is Mark. And Mark wakes up and he does the same thing every single day because he's stuck in a time loop. And everything is exactly the same. It it took him a day or two to figure it out. But after his sister played a violin solo exactly wrong the same way 17 times in a row every day, Mm -hmm. he realized something was going on. And he has come to accept the fact that he's stuck in a loop. He He doesn't know what's going on. No one else seems to be aware of the existence of the loop except for him. 
until one day he's at the swimming pool and he meets Margaret uh, and finds out that there's actually two people in this loop that are also stuck. Mm -hmm. And so he's massively lonely and she's massively cute, although not Mm -hmm. in a a traditional (laughs) model kind of way, just, uh, just cute. Mm -hmm. And they become close and, uh, one of the ways they spend their time is by finding things which uh, I would call totally awesome and what they call are tiny, perfect little things. And it's based on a discussion about miracles. Uh, there's a theory about right. how many miracles happen every day. Uh, and, and the theory goes there's there's about a thousand. A miracle being defined as as uh, something that has, an, has odds of one in a million, right? Right. So given the number of things that happen and the number of seconds in a day, you can expect this many miracles. Mm-hmm. And so they 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 start spending their loop time finding all the tiny perfect things that they can in their town. And right. uh the it's just uh I'm searching for words to try and describe them because they are they're tiny and they're perfect and they're awesome and incredible and special and rare. Mm-hmm. Uh things like seeing a, an eagle snatch a fish out of a lake, which is great for the eagle, right. not so great for the fish. <laughs> uh finding Sean Bean is in your town. During a, a car <laughs> drive-by when you're on your bike, uh, yep, yep. seeing someone do s- skateboard tricks and actually hit one exactly right for the first time mm-hmm. ever in their lives. Seeing someone get a, uh, a text and then uh, celebrate by starting to sing Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if that time loop was in our, uh, in, in our area, someone would throw an ace. There, there we go. go. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They were, they were usually like happy things too, or generally like something good, I would say. Uh, yeah. yeah, sometimes hilarious though. <laughs> well, I remember while I was reading the story and they were watching the the skate rat, and I I actually expected them to watch the skate rat totally like just I don't know some colossal failure and rip open his ball sack or something. Yeah, I was expecting <laughs> something colossal failure, but it ended up being the exact opposite. And I was like, you know, that's actually pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, shame on yeah. me for expecting that. <laughs> I, yeah. I felt bad for expecting the exact opposite. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. actually really cute and cool. <laughs> yeah, yep. there's a nice line in the book where he's talking about there have to be, there have to be uh, more of these, you know, because he started noticing them, and it says there had to be more moments when, for just a few seconds, the dull coal of reality was compressed by random chance into a glittering diamond of awesomeness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and then from there, it's the kind of the typical: why are we in the time loop? Can we get out of it? Do we want to get out of it? Kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Both Margaret and Mark kind of go through a, a maturing that happens mm-hmm. where, where they stop thinking only about themselves. Uh, it happens to Mark first. He, he's ready to grow beyond this day where he was just kind of happy living his, his life meaninglessly. Yeah. Um, and, and Margaret was not willing to let go for reasons that mm-hmm. we'll learn about shortly. Yeah. And I mean, part of that was, I, I feel like he had gotten to, because he didn't know why he was stuck in the loop and you know, didn't sign on for it. Right. Um, he, I think he quick more quickly got to the point where he felt like, okay, is everybody else in this loop real or, or are they just <laughs> kind of like the Heinlein story? I'll use zombies. Right. Where like, am I the only person who can do, can think independently and, and act independently? And that's kind of what put him in, in a mindset to be like, I'd like to get out of this. Yeah. But yep. it was also kind of, you know, it's great being stuck in a time loop with with a girl that I'm clearly into. Uh, but wouldn't it be better to like go through the rest of our lives together too? That, that's that's what he thinks. She's yeah. not quite on board with that yet. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things they're going to try and do is get really far away from the town to see if that gets them away from whatever's causing the time loop. And so they mm-hmm. get up immediately after midnight when the loop happens and jump on a plane and go flying away. Except that when... Uh, Mark takes off his his uh, eye mask. He finds out that Margaret has gotten off the plane. Yeah, in the book, he's just closing his eyes. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. H- how you would not notice the person sitting next to you getting up? I don't know. Maybe she's stealthy. Yeah. Maybe she's a ninja. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's had light. time to practice. <laughs> although although the book yeah. does describe her as being like five eleven, and so that's you know that's not a tiny little person. No, it's true. It's oh true. no, five ten. I guess. Yeah. Although you know men's ability to not notice things. Uh, it's supreme, <laughs> un- un- unsurpassed. Yeah. I I was thinking about, wow, you know, if I was in that, uh, in, in the situation where like, I knew that I had approximately 24 hours in the, in the movie, it's more like 16. Um, that amount of time, I'm like, I can get to a lot of places and 
you know, just to say I'd seen them. And especially when, if you can fly there with enough time to see something, you know, why not uh, just do that? And uh, then you can check that off your list and you never had to pay for it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because I think the book is set in uh, like Massachusetts, right? So you could easily get over mm-hmm. to uh, Europe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right next door to New York in New York City. So why not? Or Albany, mm-hmm. at least. You were talking about just having 24 hours. It says a lot about the story and the people in the story that, for the most part, they shy away from the things that would have lots of negative consequences, but they would never be experienced because everything resets the next day. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no robberies. There's no murder. There's um, Right. And and there isn't the suicide loop that you tend to get in time loop movies. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You definitely, you definitely have that played for comedy in in Groundhog Day, and I, I feel like you know that's the parts of that movie that don't age terribly well, just because right. our, our understanding of mental health is such that we're like, you know what, let's not play suicide for laughs. <laughs> but uh, I mean, there's the one discussion of, of like her driving and like, well, you know, if we die in a fiery wreck, I don't know if we get out of the loop or or if we come back. So yes. So do we do we spoil the ending or do we leave it for people to find? Hmm. I mean, I think I think we'll have to. How about we, once we get through talking about everything, we can talk about the ending of both the book and the movie because they're slightly different. Um, right. I think it's interesting that both of them kind of decide, despite the fact they're 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 in this little town, to spend their infinite time just in that town. Right? They they never get in a car and try to drive to, um, I don't know, Washington D.C. or something. There are reasons for the, her staying in the town. There are reasons for right. her staying in the town. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't really drive, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. And and I mean, it says he's a in the book. He's just out of his freshman year of high school, right? Mm-hmm. So he's probably fifteen, something like that. Right. Yep. Where she's learning to drive <laughs> one day at a time, <laughs> and not worrying if she uh, damages any cars or mailboxes. Not at all. Which is <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. Yeah, was, I mean that's acquiring a skill. It's kind of like you know during the pandemic, right? You were you were stuck at home. Did you did you learn to play the violin? Did you did you guys do any uh, any skill acquisition during the pandemic? It didn't really change your life all that much, Colin, right? No, I pretty much stay at home anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I learned how to smoke meats. There we go. Yeah, there you, you go. did make some righteous Canadian bacon. Please. Yeah, you haven't had my chicken wings yet either. True, James. What about you? Did you uh, acquire any new skills? Uh whiskey. Whiskey, okay. Yeah. That's a skill? I'm more of a whiskey connoisseur now than I was before. <laughs> oh, all right. Before it was just, you know, give me whatever rot gut you got. Yep. <laughs> I did I did learn to bake some righteous sourdough. I've got a I've got a good starter and I, I make a loaf of some kind about once a week. Mm-hmm. So if you've struggled to figure out sourdough, let me know. I can I can coach you through it. <laughs> because there were definitely struggles. I, oh, I had really? one. I had one loaf that was approximately <laughs> frisbee shaped, Oy. but it weighed about four pounds. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Dang. Um, yep. And he was uh, trying to make went, pita in mist, right? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I did successfully put it into my uh, disc golf target in the backyard. Oh my! No. Does kidding. it hyzer? Holy crap! It does. Very hard. It's <laughs> extremely overstable. <laughs> Uh, time to just move into talking about the movie and, and differences and adaptational considerations and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah, yeah? I suppose so. All right. Well, I don't know. Let's I, talk I, f- I feel like we kind of need to spoil it a little bit just to get into like the, cause that, to me, it feels like a trick of the story. Sort of. Okay. Well, I think at this point, you know, uh, we will warn people as always, we, de- we tend to spoil everything. So if you want to be unspoiled, go find the story and read it. It'll, you know, take you an hour if you're a slow reader. <laughs> right. Because I think yeah. one of the things I really liked about the story was how it really, he really wasn't the main character after all. Right. Despite mm. this entire time being from his perspective, the story wasn't mm-hmm. even about him in the end. And it, the loop wasn't caused by him and the, all this stuff. It, it, to me, it was like a mind blowing thing. And I think because of yeah. him too, I think it, it kind of blew his mind when he figured it out too. Which, in, mm-hmm. from my perspective, blows our minds because we've been reading the story the whole time from his perspective. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Okay. That's, that's a, a spoiler. Point. That's as spoiler as I need to get. <laughs> yeah. He he didn't realize he was playing a co- cooperative video game, and right. somebody else was hosting the session. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and for me, I think I like this. The way that 
Lev wrote it was fantastic. And then the way mm-hmm. he revealed that, I thought was great. And so back to how you said it was a relevant story. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that kind of shines through in the movie a little bit too, but not as much. I think it's, it wasn't as profound for me, I think as it was in the book, but maybe that's because I mm. read the book first. Unlike some of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about what, why he isn't the, the main character. Why? He, oh yeah. 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 Why he isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Margaret's mom has cancer. And today, that that day was the day they decided not to continue treatment any longer because it wasn't working. And she went home that night and thought, I can't face tomorrow. I can't deal with tomorrow. And that was the start of the loop. She yeah. didn't go home. She went to the hill, right? Went to, to the, the what? In the book? wasn't? Didn't they make it to the top of a hill or something like that? Or by a quarry or something? Well, th- that's how the loop ends. Yeah, that's how it ends. But- so it turns out that if you take all the, the tiny perfect things – they make the shape of a tesseract, mm-hmm. a four-dimensional cube. <laughs> and there was one point missing. And that point uh, took Mark to uh, that hill where Margaret was sitting, where she explained right. everything, uh, mm-hmm. including the fact that when she she knew that if she fell in love, that it would end the loop. And so she was very working really hard at not falling in love. And then along comes Mark, and she falls in love anyway. And so she resists and resists and she's been resisting all this time and she's finally ready to let her mom go. And so they kiss and then they kiss again because she had hair in her mouth. And that second kiss <laughs> was the last tiny perfect thing. And that's the end of the mm-hmm. story. That's the way Great it is. The spell. Yeah. So it's really a Beauty and the Beast movie or a story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or you could look we're, at it as uh, yeah. Sleeping Beauty where they're both sleeping and they both kiss oh, to wake up. It's true. I kind of like the Beauty and the Beast analogy better, where his kiss, his sacrifice frees her from the the horror of having to face the death of her mom alone. Yeah. 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 Good point. Boom. I, I think it's interesting that in the story, the way it works is wherever you are. So if you have flown to Japan, then at midnight, the, the time nanny, I think as they call it, yeah. <laughs> uh, puts, puts you back in your bed at midnight. But then you can immediately get up and do whatever you want. You can, you can still pull an all-nighter and you have you know 23 hours and 59 minutes to do whatever you want. Where in the, in the movie, it flips at midnight to the next morning. Right, to them waking up. Yeah. Yeah, I did think yeah. that so was interesting. Like, how would, you, yeah. how would you know to wake up for it? I don't know. And like, do they wake up every day rested after the loop? <laughs> Like they've slept well, or if you what if you slept really crappy that night? Do you sleep crappy that, every time? Yeah, that's what loop? I was thinking. What if you woke up hungover every morning? <laughs> oh, that would suck. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a Stargate. Well, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a Stargate episode where they're stuck in a time loop, and Jack is the Jack is the only person. Jack and Teal'c are the only two people that realize they're stuck in a loop. The first thing that happens every morning to Teal'c at the top of the loop is he gets hit in the face with a door. <laughs> every morning. Every single morning. Mm-hmm. Dang. <laughs> that could get tiresome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You thought it was hard podcasting with me. Just just wait till you're stuck in a time loop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If it's after a good night's sleep, I'd be okay with it. So, yeah, speaking, speaking of the difference between the – the difference in the way time flips over uh, between the book and the movie. It's probably time to start talking about the movie and we can sprinkle back in things about the book if we want. As yeah. well. mm-hmm. I do like, I like the way the movie begins. It reminds me of um, Palm Springs a little bit. And I know Colin, you haven't seen it, but there's, there's an, there's a scene in there where you see the character going through these, the motions of the day that on a rewatch, you're like, okay, it makes sense that he knew what his little sister would say right then because he's done mm-hmm. this a hundred times. Um, Palm Springs does it a little more subtly because, because there isn't the same kind of verbal sparring kind of stuff, but there's a great dance scene, which, and and, I mean, I went into Palm Springs not knowing it was a time loop movie. And so I didn't get it until the second time I watched it. I'm like, Oh, I see what they did there. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, but I like that, you know, there's kind of a long shot of him riding his bike through town, just kind of doing either nice things for people or stealing their coffee off the top of their car. They're very empty coffee cup, of course. Correcting a lady's uh, skirt with tongs. Tongs, yeah, that was funny. (laughs) It it makes you wonder how many times he tried to do that before he realized he had to use tongs (laughs) so he didn't actually touch her. Right? Right. She turns around and smacks him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The first time he drove up to the inn with the the bull, not the bulldozer. I guess it was a bulldozer or tractor or whatever. 
I yeah. totally thought he was going to bulldoze that restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> why Why does he ride the bulldozer? Because he can. Because it's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Because it's dope. <laughs> I, I couldn't remember if there was some like side effect that it, he also wanted from it. But yes, it's awesome. It's a bulldozer. Well, that's, well, that's why I was thinking too. I'm like, why is he driving this thing? And then he rolls up to some, I don't, to me, it looked kind of like shabby and abandoned, I guess. But yeah. And so I totally thought he was just going to bulldoze the thing. And then he does it. And he ends up being a keynote place. I was like, oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. I, um, Looking at the, you know, the the way the movie begins, right? He's trying to figure out how to hit it off with this Asian girl at the at the pool, right? Right, um, right. And and that you get into some uncomfortable things, kind of like you do in in uh, not so much in Edge of Tomorrow, but definitely in Groundhog Day, where you're like, if you have infinite time to take a run at this lady, there's some consent issues here, right? Where you you learn how to <laughs> manipulate her. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so she thinks that she's attracted to you, but she's right. only attracted to you because you've figured out how to fake being the person that she would fall in love with, uh, which is gross. And, and there's some growth in there. I'm not not saying that it's all awful, um, right. but at least at the beginning. And I mean, that movie explicitly uh, says that he's also uh, finding women, finding out facts about women to seduce them later with, which is gross. Yeah, which would so. not go, go go over well today. <laughs> no. No, and so I like the fact that I. It makes me wonder if did Margaret realize that he was a free agent? Uh, because if she had been to that pool multiple times, she would have seen him doing different things, and maybe she was just like, "Okay, enough of that." <laughs> Put a stop to that. <laughs> right, but it was know. pretty fun oh. to watch over and over again though, with the different takes. <laughs> yeah, yeah yes. like like when he yeah. grabs her before she's about to fall into the pool, and like, "Oh, sorry, yep. that's." That's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> then he gets pulled into the pool with her. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or just straight up misses. She's got beach ball flat to the face. Oh, ouch. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it's interesting. And this is where, you know, I sprinkle in some of the afterwards stuff by Lev Grossman, where he was talking about the process of adapting it. And you have a story that's very much in a character's head, but the producers would not let him do a voiceover or have Mark turn to the camera Ferris Bueller style and break the fourth wall. And so he's like, I have to get across what this guy is thinking and feeling. So let's give him a friend. And so he's got a a friend to talk to who's always playing video games. Right. right? right. Um, Yep. And, uh, and always dying at the boss level. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yep. Um, I, I wanted to talk to you guys about when he first goes over to his friend's house, you know, he, he like hops up in a pickup bed and then on top of the pickup and then onto the roof and then walks right. up into his friend's room. Right. Which is evidently right. a regular thing. Did, I, did you guys ever have that kind of thing uh, where you were? I mean, Colin, you weren't really in like a big neighborhood, right? No, but if I ran down, uh, okay. If I ran down the gravel road to the main road, which was about mm-hmm. a quarter mile. And then you took a sharp right and you ran down the hill on an old caterpillar trail, jumped his grandfather's back fence, went through two fields with cows and cow pies. Uh, my, my friends, Albert and Andy had a 10 by 15 treehouse oh, wow. nice. where we played Dungeons and Dragons and battle tech and red science fiction, did all kinds of things. Cool. Damn, and nice. so there would be a phone call. Hey, what's you up to? I'm uh, I'm getting ready to run downhill. We'll see you soon. Nice. That's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) We used to, I used to cross the street into my, my best friend's yard and go around the back of their house. And they had, they had a big wraparound deck on their, on the top of their house. And it was fenced around the main area of it. There was like a, more like a guardrail, you'd call it, but it was, it looked like a fence. Um, but in the back of the house, there was a section of the roof that didn't have that fence on it at all. And so you could climb up on like the old refrigerator that seemed to be in a, all the yards, hence all the public service announcements to not play in fridges. Um, and uh, you climbed up on top of the fridge, then you could clamber up onto the roof and then jump over the little fence onto the main part of the deck and then down the back stairs into their kitchen. <laughs> and so that that was lots of times how we'd get into his house. Um, the other great thing was in the winter, we could go up that route onto their, onto their roof and pelt passing uh, school buses with snowballs <laughs> so, and no, one, no one would ever see it because of the angle it was amazing right. yeah oh we lit them up <laughs> what's the statute of limitations on that no i'm just kidding 
I don't know. I, I was almost arrested <laughs> once for, for going in that way when I was okay. house sitting. <laughs> one of the one of the neighbors spotted me and called the police. Oh dang. Um, so thought I was thought I was breaking into the house. Right. So mm-hmm. So I, I came out from feeding the cats and watering the plants and playing some video games on his Atari four hundred uh, to find quite a number of cop cars. <laughs> wow. For a beanie. Yeah. Really? Jeez Louise. Yeah. Yeah, there was a, a large police officer in, standing in the backyard who, uh, yeah, when it was actually me and my friend Mark who who both went in. <laughs> Mark Mark remembered that the guy had had a gun drawn, but he was just pointing his walkie-talkie at us. So, oh damn, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that was an exciting. It was it was a fun. Uh, what did you do this summer? Right <laughs> story when we got back to school. <laughs> well, we almost went to jail. <laughs> Oh, what kind of story is that? Dang. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so you mentioned, Colin, that the book name checks a number of time loop movies, which I feel like you almost have to do, right? Because otherwise you're living in some fictional reality if you're not going to be like, oh, so like in Groundhog Day or Time Bandits right. or Edge of Tomorrow, Doctor Who gets a mention. Yep. Well, it's it's uh, it's appropriate. It's set in modern times and uh, Mark is a geek. He's, he's like right. us. He's one of us. He would listen to our podcast. Oh, I think right. so. Yeah, definitely. He even plays the tuba. <laughs> he does. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Of course, I think that's only shown in the movie, not in the book. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I did like definitely. that turning point in the movie where he started like helping people and goes to his sister's soccer game and do yeah. duets, do the duets with his sister, which I thought was really cool. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And listens to his dad and asks him about his book. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he, he kind of finds out uh, George Bailey style, you know, that he has some influence on what happens. I mean, he already knew right. that, right? He already knew that he was the only one that affected things, but he didn't really know the positive difference he could make uh, in, in events, right? Because every day his sister went and lost 3 nothing in that soccer game. And then he finally decides to interact with his family and go to that soccer game, changing his sister's mental state, and she ends up scoring a goal. Now, I don't know if they win the game, but it was still a cool change for her i'm sure but he flapped his butterfly wings he did yes yeah yeah <laughs> i liked uh in the first story with the with the best friend or not first story the first conversation with him you know he's he, it, mark actually postulates <laughs> wait what if there was a time loop you know and and i'm trying to get with this girl and and it's like eventually i mean mathematically it's gotta it's gotta happen right and the best friend is like i mean there could be infinite ways for you not to get laid <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is true <laughs> one fun thing that i thought is in it's in both of the in both the story and the movie that eventually right he expounds the the theory about the tiny perfect things and maybe we should map them all out and and he's like um oh she, she says okay so how should we do this should we like divide this the town into grids and do a grid search and he's like or we could just walk around <laughs> Right. <laughs> He's like, I just yeah, want to spend time of, with you. you know, yeah. Yeah. Different different personalities, kind of like we were talking about, right. about the, uh, right, what right, are you going right. to watch on TV? Or like my, my son, Ethan, is very much a planner and he, he, he's got a good friend at school that he's been uh, hanging out with a bit, but she is much more, you know, whatever. And like, he's got next semester's schedule all planned out already. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's having to figure out that um, maybe trying to be a little more relaxed about things would be okay occasionally occasionally that's a good <laughs> yeah. call to make you betcha yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so what do you think about this movie as an adaptation colin well it's it's highly canonical it is uh, a lot of the stuff is is swizzled and changed around some things had to change because uh there's no voiceover and there's no fourth wall breaking mm-hmm. and yet there's a lot of that that exposition which needs to happen so that we understand about mark and the world he's living in mm-hmm um, and so, you know, be- between the changes that they make, introducing the friend and the incredible acting, I thought they acted it out pretty well. Yeah. The chemistry um, was it, good. Yeah. Yeah. The chemistry was good. Uh, Mark comes across like a geek, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, He's a pretty good looking geek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would we call that? Uh, adaptational attractiveness. Adaptational attractiveness. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's got the benefit of a makeup artist, no doubt. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, they had to expand it to make a full hundred minute movie. Right. right. Yeah. And that, that's where you get into the, the like, well, there isn't enough material here. So we need to add stuff that stays consistent. Right. And mm-hmm. um, 
in the afterward, uh, Lev Grossman's talking about, you know, we needed like seven to eight of these moments. And there, there are some of them that he really, really wanted that other people are like, nah, nope, not going to do those ones. <laughs> and there's some changes to them, like the skateboard trick, instead of being a, you know, a, a chubby kid doing this skateboard right, trick, it's trick. a girl. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, it, for that one, you like, I'm like, I totally get it because you have yeah. to get somebody who can actually do the trick. Um, <laughs> now it's not as cool of a trick in the movie. You have to sure. no. No grind. Emily liked yes. the uh, um, like that it was a girl though, so girl yeah. power. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Couldn't get Sean Bean. No. <laughs> that would have been did, a major major. I did achievement. like how they changed how he found her in the hospital. It was less yes, creeper, very and more so. like random. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I like that the story called out right where where he's like, "Hey, look, I have to admit, I followed you." And she's like, "She's like, it's okay. It's a little creepy, but it's all right." Um, where where yeah, this time it's like he tries to do the skateboard trick and breaks his wrist or something. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and ends up in the hospital. So yeah, I like that. I do it, love it, how he flies it, in that trick. Yeah. <laughs> yes, smash. And yeah, that that comes at the end of the sequence where he's being. Uh, Miss Mr. Butterfly and doing a lot of positive mm-hmm. things for other people for a change. Right. Uh, yeah. Like he gives someone else the, the winning lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes to his sister's soccer game. He talks to his dad and then he tries the skateboard trick and goes to the hospital yeah. and finds out that Margaret's mom is in the hospital with cancer. Mm-hmm. Yep. It seems to me that if you're planning on exiting a time loop, you have to do it, you know, during that day, you, you have to do the winning lottery ticket thing. You know, you got to set <laughs> yourself up. Oh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Touche. <laughs> um, and th- you know, then the movie does something interesting, which the book does not do. It gives Margaret a chance to take the same journey Mark does. Yes. So that she becomes ready to leave the day, mm. um, and and fully engage with Mark as as her as her love, and be able to say goodbye to her mom. And that yeah. was, I think, a great addition. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed that. Uh, you know, here, let me help you get through, let me help, help you get through this hard part of the video game here. And the, yeah, yes. <laughs> that was, cool. and returning the dog and returning the dog. And the dog. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did you have any, any favorite, uh, tiny, perfect things from the, from the movie? Because there are a few different ones. I liked the, uh, I liked the tennis ricochet. <laughs> the tennis ricochet was cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, here, here, little, little known fact. I have what I call a, a set of useless daddy powers. And one of my useless daddy powers is, is I can blow ginormous bubbles, uh, with, with hand soap. And it's something I did to entertain my kids when they were in the bathtub, when they were like, you know, one and two, um, has absolutely no value, but that was one of the things that happens. This little girl blows a a a gigantic soap bubble and it's, it's it's there. Wasn't quite as impressive as in the book though, but no, it, it, and it wasn't, uh, they didn't count it. Yeah. Like uh, almost. And then there's like the four leaf clover. Which I'm like, we had clovers eh, in our front yard. They're a dime yeah. a dozen. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, and if I remember right, she's less than convinced, or he's less than convinced, but she thinks it's really special. One or the other, uh-huh. right? Yeah, I like yeah. I like the virtuoso janitor as well. <gasps> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that was, was cool. fun. Well, that no, that was one of the things. Right when he was going around doing nice things, it was like, hey, I need to give that guy a standing up. Yeah, you give the guy a standing up. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, uh, I realized that filmmaking is essentially a metaphor for time loops because you're going to do mm-hmm. it again and again and again and again until you get it right. True. Uh, it's something that's mentioned in the in the, uh, Lev Grossman's notes at the end about where he throws the water bottle into the door. Right. That took <laughs> 17 <laughs> takes. That was cool. <laughs> yes. One take to, to, right. to, to write it, but uh, many more <laughs> takes for him to actually get it. Yes. Yeah, that part yeah. was pretty awesome. I liked the the kind of bringing everything back to the pool at the end i felt like it was an already established set an already established mm-hmm. place that they had both been um and right. so that means well, kind of where it started right it is yeah it is where it started it's where that's it, where it started with them so that yeah kind of cool that it circles back mm-hmm. and ends yeah. there, or really their next life begins there right yeah another yeah. change of course is that she discovers that that the map has predictive powers and and right. that's where getting it into a, a visual medium is really really cool because you know she put it up on the uh she made made like a mobile out of it right and mm-hmm. then the shadow on the wall then she connected it and that's when you got the tesseract looking thing which i thought was cool yeah i thought that was a cool change yeah she realized that there was another dimension to the map that was time and he she hangs all these yeah. beads and then it, the light shines through and mm-hmm. The other cool thing is uh, the fact that he's an artist. 
Um, and so he's got the kind of map that he, he draws out every day and it gives him, you know, by, by way of kind of padding out the runtime, um, you have him like clearly being a talented artist and wanting to study art and his father, like, yeah, but jobs, um, so <laughs> maybe something else. And, and then I also liked the, the, uh, jab that, uh, Margaret did at him. It's like, Hey, you can't be the only geek that doesn't know math. So I'm going to help you with math. <laughs> Uh, I thought it was funny how he skips summer school the whole summer and then shows up and to ask the guy about uh, time travel. And he starts asking him all these questions. And the guy, you can see the guy, the teacher going, where has this kid been? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> see, I feel like if I got trapped in a, in a time loop, my first instinct would be, okay, we're living in a simulation. Because that's that's what makes most sense to me in a time loop. The Matrix. Yeah. Glitch. It's a glitch, glitch in the Matrix. matrix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, yeah, the ending of the movie is just a, a hair different. They kiss, they kiss again because she has a hair in her mouth. And I absolutely love that they kept that. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice, nice touch. And then it rains. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that pays off more if you've read the book because you know it, it was a really, really hot day. Yeah, right. So the rain, the rain could probably feel nice. Nice change of pace. Yep. I think that's the value of having uh, the author adapt the screenplay versus have another mm-hmm. another person because. The author, the author has a bunch of things that he really cares about, and so in, in he, he's inserted them into his story by him adapting it into the screenplay. He can guarantee that all those beats are there, the ones that he can keep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe not all of them, but but uh, he, you know he'd fight for some of them, right? Right. Because in the afterward, he talks about some of the stuff that he wanted that that never happened, right? I mean, like the accidental nature of it, right? That he had another idea in mind and nobody wanted it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. You know, we've talked about for, for years about, um, you know, just take the stuff that's in the book and put it in the movie. And he, he says, I thought turning my story into a movie would consist mostly of cutting and pasting the dialogue into a screenplay template, <laughs> and then maybe fleshing out a few of the slow bits with musical montages and also coming up with a shorter title. Uh, but of course, there turned out to be more to it than that. Yeah. So certainly you can you can kind of see why and he's definitely close to the material, right? And so to write something that's close to his story makes perfect sense where if you had somebody else who took it and they're like, okay, I like this bit and that bit, but the rest, yeah, we can change that stuff around. And you know, him fighting for his right to do that. Right. Yeah. Cause he made sure that was part of the, part of the deal. I get to write this thing, which right. scared off almost right. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it did. But by now, you know, he's shown that he's a success both as a writer and having his stuff adapted. So he's got some credit to, to build on. Yeah. Yep. If you or I or, or James tried that, we'd be screwed. Yes. No, Although, awesome. you know, uh, you know, Sylvester Stallone did did similar things with Rocky. Right, he he had he had offers to buy Rocky outright from him, um, mm-hmm. but but not let him act in it. So oh yeah, so he could he could have made a large amount of money doing that, but was like nope, I'm I'm keeping this. This is my thing, and mm-hmm. it was the right choice. Yeah, kind of like George Lucas and Star Wars. Yeah, that too. Oh, Lev Grossman, of course, makes a cameo appearance here as dude saved from bird poop by both of the main characters. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. I recognized him from his author photo. Uh, I didn't. I didn't until I read the story. So I uh, and and you know I watched the movie first. So I didn't. I didn't know that he had a cameo in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So good stuff. Uh, final thoughts. It's it's a great book. It's a great movie. Take some time off. Read it. Watch it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it with someone and share the experience. Uh, yeah, it's worth doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Elaine enjoyed this one enough that she watched it twice. She did not. Uh, I rewatched it last night, and she she was like, no, "I have seen it twice already." So, <laughs> <laughs> so I've seen it equal numbers of times. So bittersweet, sweet, funny in places, well acted. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, they're both good. I don't know if there's a reason yeah. to rank them. <laughs> yeah, uh, do you want to? Oh, we they always rank them. You can put them in a tie. Okay, I'm gonna say tie. Okay, what about you, Colin? I- I'm gonna take the movie. Okay. Movie over book for me. Uh, wait, yeah, I think I, I think I go. Who are you, and what did you well. do with Colin? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is one of Colin's rules. Uh, if if I like something, I would like more of it, and if I don't like something, I'll take less of it. Right, right. Uh, in this case, no good movie was ever too long. No bad movie was was ever too short. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'll take movie as well. Um, kind of for similar reasons, I, I thought that the decisions that were made in how to flesh it out a little bit and how to add on um, characters and get the the exposition that was needed without making it awkward in any way, I thought I thought was really skillfully done. So, but I you know mm-hmm. it's 
it's a close call. I like both a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't take one massively over the other, but. Yeah. But, you know, the nice thing is this is something we all liked. And there, I mean, yeah, the mom is dying of cancer. That, that's a reality. That kind of stuff happens. Um, but uh, you have a character getting to kind of catharsis mm-hmm. as well. So no world ending scenarios involved nope. at all. Whew, dodge the bullet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On that note, I'm not sure that I'm going to recommend, Colin, that you read 12.01 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not now. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is short, and, and we'll see if we can if we can hook that up and get the, the actual uh, director, Jonathan Heap, if we can get a conversation with him on the podcast, that'd be amazing. And maybe we go ahead and do that. And we you know, we could talk about wh- why, uh, why you choose to end things that way. Or I mean, the story ends a particular way, and so does the movie. But uh, do you want to talk about... I, I'm not sure we've decided on what we're doing next. I, don't so. I thought that the cold equations was up on the slate. It, yeah, there's definitely kind of a tentative thing there. Um, the cold equations and possibly talking about stowaway to see if we we, we could kind of do it the way we did uh, with Terminator and the Harlan Ellison stories. You know, is this is this actionable? Do we think? Yeah, <laughs> or, or we could do it more like we did uh, Body Snatchers and do the the book, the Twilight Zone episode, and the movie, and then in episode mm. B. We talk about the stowaway and how similar it is. Yeah, that's mm. a good point. Yeah. Um, the other thing is uh, Malkfoy, longtime listener of the podcast, uh, did send a comment in at some point asking if we would consider doing The Running Man, which would be awesome. <laughs> oh, that's true. Are you up for a novel? I might be up for a novel. I mean, we're, we're recording this one, uh, a peek under the hood here, in early May, and it, you know, it won't get posted until late May for everyone who's not patrons. patrons. But... Uh, so that that frees up my calendar into next month to do some extra reading. So so yeah, good think about that. Hmm. All right, we'll we will discuss this offline and figure out what we're gonna do. Okay, doke. Cool. Yeah. Uh, anything else uh, you want to plug, Colin? Still going strong on Sci Fi One Hundred and One, Science Fiction One Hundred and One. Sorry. Recorded another episode just this morning with Phil Nichols. Uh, I am continuously amazed at how. Uh, smart he is about science fiction and media and the, the conjunction of the two and very thankful that I get to be a part of his show. Nice. Well, it's a good cool. show. So I definitely recommend people check it out. Okay. Send us some feedback if you want at pavement podcast on Twitter or feedback at pavementpodcast.com. Leave us a review. That'd be awesome. Share the episodes. That'd be cool too. But until next time, may the road rise up to meet you and may the book always fall open to where you left off, to where you left off, to where you left off. <laughs> Short loops. <laughs> Short loops, yes. Fruit I was loops. just tagging it like like it was a song in church, right? You have to do that. Oh, right. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, you don't. Anywho, bye, everybody. And we're back with another one of these just kind of normal episodes. Um, we, wait, we have- wait, 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 wait. We have to do that again. We need to go through a loop. Seth James Colin, Seth James Colin. <laughs> oh, I like it. <laughs> I like it very much. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, let's do that again. <sighs>